0: This week on episode 493 of Priority One, we trek out several interviews happening around the Trekverse, Star Trek Online gears up for its 11th anniversary celebrations, while other mobile games spin up their own Trek-themed celebrations, and Dr. Robert Hurt explains why space is darker than we thought, much darker. You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast
2: And now, your hosts.
0: Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 493 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, January 19th, 2021, and available for download or streaming on Friday, January 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. I'm Tony. And in our live stream booth is our live stream technician Brandon. Hey,
2: guys.
3: Captains each and every week. Between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app, and you will find us. Or email us. You can reach us at incoming at com.
0: You know, I'm a part of a couple of podcasting community groups on Facebook and whatnot, and I've had friends... Approach me asking me to kind of explain to them podcasting in 30 seconds or less because they're all interested in in getting into podcasting and one of the first questions in any of these communities or in any of the conversations I've had with friends is and how do I make money? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wait, wait. do you
3: laugh in their face or do you just give them a sad look?
0: I. It's a combination of both. It's a little chuckle. But here's the thing. Truth be told, if you're going into podcasting, you shouldn't be going into it thinking you're going to be able to quit your day job. Podcasting for you should start because you're passionate about a topic that you want to discuss. For us, it's Star Trek, and Priority One is built on a community of talented volunteers who donate their time each and every week to help us produce this show you've come to expect. Unfortunately, it's not free to produce a podcast.
3: And that's where you come in, dear listeners. Uh, We know not everybody is in a position to make a financial contribution, but if you are, please consider helping us bring a little bit of Star Trek to everybody each week. At the $10 level, you'll not only get the show that we give away to everybody because we love to make it, but you'll also get our special secondary podcast. We don't edit it. It's all raw. At just $10 a month, you get access to that second show, and you help bring our show to everybody else so that they can listen free of charge because this is a labor of love.
2: Also, Captains, it's time to inject some new life into the show by adding a new voice into the mix. As this new year begins, it's important that we talk the talk for some important causes. And now it's time to walk the walk and make changes to the show that reflect our commitment to inclusivity. We're looking for a new host to join us each week to talk about the latest and greatest from the Star Trek multiverse. So if you've got a lot to say and think you've got what it takes to verbally spar with the three of us, now's your chance to throw your hat in the ring.
0: Captains, for more information on how you can join the Priority One podcast family, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on Join the Crew at the top of the page.
3: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Join, places? I don't know. Then let's check it out.
2: With Picard now starting to film its second season in just a few weeks, many of us are eager to learn about who of the OG TNG cast might make an appearance. We've already seen Brent Spiner reprise his role as Data. Our hearts were warmed by Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtos reprising their roles. What about Gates McFadden, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn? Well, we've got an update from Mr. Dorn via an interview with the podcast Literary Joe's Inner Child. In the short segment of the podcast, which is under seven minutes, Dorn pulls no punches when expressing his disdain for the makeup process, but when asked about reprising his role or appearing in Picard, Dorn had this to say. I
3: can say full freedom that um, uh, they have not contacted me at all. Would you like them to? <laughs> it, you know, it would just depend on the part. It would just depend. Once again, three hours of makeup. I, I don't know if I want to do that, you know, but but um, it, it, just, it just would depend on a lot of things. You mean, wait a minute, you mean after he complains about getting into the makeup, he's not going to get into the makeup again?
0: (laughs) I mean, okay, that makes sense.
3: I mean, that kind of follows, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah.
0: I have a little bit of beef with Michael Dorn, and I've always, I've never shied away from saying it on the show. It just, he, he doesn't seem like an actor's actor to me. Like, it just, whenever he's on stage, you know, he'll find a way to inject that, hey, it was just a job, and like any other job... And I, I, of course, I understand that, you know, as an actor, your job is to go from gig to gig. And in many cases, you forget, you know, what you did five years ago. But when you're going to conventions and you're getting paid by fans and the convention to attend, I mean, it'd be nice to at least pretend, act a little, act a little, Uh. that you love what you did.
2: You know, I had the idea, you know, it'd be awesome if, he ever was gonna reprise his role? It'd be a good video game. And that way, he could avoid the makeup.
0: Well, he did in Star Trek yep. Online.
2: He could do a wharf video game if he wanted a Captain Wharf, you know, thing, which right. would be amazing. Mm,
0: it might be okay. I mean, it,
3: there were a couple spots when he did the Solene Dyson Sphere. I think that was his. Yeah. The, 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 is oh his yeah. Thing?
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: There were a couple spots in there where I, he was like, eh, well, yeah." Here is another Wharf line. You can you ca-
0: yes, yes. You can, can kind of toss- tell he was phoning it in. Yes.
3: I mean, it was it was good. I mean, it was it was good to hear Worf's voice, and of course, the writers did a good job of like making Worf talk like Worf. But there are a couple spots in there where he was just like, "Oh yeah, it's a Worfism." Here, yeah. here we go. It
0: wasn't. It, it he here. definitely wasn't a JG Hertzler or a Rekha no. Sharma. No, no, it wasn't any. He yes. wasn't like that.
2: He didn't perform no. like that. No, no. no. Senequa Martin Green, Or
0: Senequa Martin Green, or Anthony, Ra- or any of the other ones. It, name any voice actor who's been on Star Trek Online and they delivered it with more dedication and gusto than. <laughs> Mr. Dorn. All of
2: them, but that was way early. Like way early. It mm, was pretty that early. early.
0: That wasn't mm, early. Solana was, was already like. That's like years Into Star Trek online. Yeah, yeah. yeah five or six. Uh, years yeah, years Tim, into Star Trek Tim online.
3: Russ. I think Tim Russ was already in. Yeah. All right.
2: Uh, Re- okay, and, and uh, Denise Crosby, her stuff. Yeah. Great. Denise Crosby right.
3: was already in. I mean, there, there. He he wasn't the first. Right. There are already yeah. some people who set the bar. Yep. And the bar was. Well, the, the bar was. I mean, I mean it opens with
2: Nimoy. Point. Come on, the bar's already, like... The bar's high. Bars guess. <laughs> it's bar's really high. high.
0: <laughs> the bar's high. So how far along is season two of Picard? Well, Sir Patrick Stewart tells us in an interview posted on January 11th, 2021 by goldderby.com that, quote, I've got the first five scripts of the show and different drafts of those scripts. I spend hours every day with them, end quote. So even though getting a production rolling during a pandemic is a whole new experience, Stewart has been keeping himself busy writing his memoirs, reciting Shakespeare sonnets, watching Schitt's Creek, and putting together jigsaw puzzles, according to him.
2: (laughs) I just think it's adorable because, you know, he and his wife are sitting around watching Schitt's Creek. He's reading sonnets, getting all dressed up or not, playing with the dogs and then doing puzzles together. How cute is that?
3: Now that Discovery Season 3 is wrapped, StarTrek.com recapped some recent in-depth conversations with some of our favorite Discovery characters. The first was our absolute favorite, Mary Wiseman, and although the audio glitched during her interview, thanks to an enterprising YouTuber who can read lips, it was later confirmed that Wiseman said she was not straight. When asked for confirmation, she said, quote, I did say this, it's not a big deal at all, I just didn't want to say I'm straight when I'm not. Before Noah, Averback Katz, Wiseman's husband, who played Rin the Andorian, I dated and to people of all genders. I never liked it when straight-presenting women dominated conversations about bisexuality, pansexuality when I was with women, so I try not to do it now, but I also don't want it to feel like I'm hiding anything because I'm queer and proud. End quote. Wiseman goes on to deliver a personal message to fans who defended her on social media when she fell victim to online bullying and body shaming, saying, quote, I just want to say that all the people who step in to back me up like that, your presence is like little angels blocking out these little trolls. It means something to me. I see those things and they hurt me because I'm a person I'm a human being you know and to have somebody step in and defend you is really meaningful End quote
2: I just love the story of her husband and her being able to act together in this season knowing that his whole family is complete trekkies and he's got pictures of himself growing up in trek outfits and it's just so awesome
3: and then it's and then they killed him
2: yeah but that just means he can come back as a different character
3: I guess that's true he can pull a Jeff Combs yes. Yeah, he can come back in different, a different set of makeup, or no makeup at all. Right. Yeah. See there. there or there.
2: yeah, all of that. Uh, she's just so delightful, and I hate that you know she's getting bullied online or body shame because people don't do that.
0: Yeah, it's it's. I would definitely like form a line, a, a protection circle around Mary Wiseman at a convention if I had to, you know? Like, she's just, <laughs> she's such a talented actress, she's a great craftsman, <laughs> and she's just genuine, right? Whether she's doing an interview, whether she was on stage at Paley Fest, for instance, she's just a very genuine human being. I mean, good on her, good on her for being honest to the public and not being afraid or ashamed in any way, shape, or form, and... Keep on keeping on. They just
3: better wrap up the series with her in the captain's chair It's all. Yep.
2: Our last interview, although not specifically Star Trek related, does touch on one of Star Trek's greatest films, Galaxy Quest. Now, for several years, there have been rumblings and rumors about a potential sequel to the film or perhaps a small screen adaptation. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Tim Allen was asked about the status of the film, replying, quote, I haven't reached out to anybody in the last week, but we talk about it all the time. There is constantly a little flicker of a butane torch that we could reboot it with. Without giving too much away, a member of Alan's Galaxy Quest family could step in and the idea would still work, end quote.
0: So I, look, it's just Galaxy Quest is such a treasure. It really is a treasure. It's up to Princess
2: Bride. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. And again, one of my favorite Star Trek movies. So I really love the interview because he talks a little bit about what the draft script was about, and it was a kind of like a movie dedicated to... To Spock and Kirk, except it would be Tagger and Dr. Balthazar. So I would have loved that kind of adventure, right? Because Spock and Kirk don't really develop that relationship, that intimacy until the films, or actually the animated series, right? Where they start to joke a little more. As a matter of fact, in the episode BEM, season two of the animated series, they there's a there's quite a bit of back and forth between the two of them that you don't really get until the films. So, in this Galaxy Quest franchise world, I would have... I really, I think I would have enjoyed that movie. But, Alan tosses around the idea that, you know, because Alan Rickman has passed, they can't recast the role, but they could do something a la J.J. Kelvin. So, what ends up happening is that they go through some wormhole at light speed, time dilation, blah, 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 and it's a younger crew aboard the NSEA protector. So I don't know. I, I I might dig that. I might I might also appreciate a script like that.
3: They could just put Rain Wilson in. Yeah, because <laughs> Rain Rain Wilson was one of those one of those alien guys that yes, I like, idolized yeah. him. So yeah, they, they could just have Rain Wilson take over.
0: Yeah, I don't know what happened to the Amazon Prime Television series that they were working on.
3: It's Hollywood.
0: you know? Yeah, I know, I know, and everything probably came to a screeching halt with everyone takes COVID, a meeting so. with
3: everybody. Blah blah. Yeah. Well, long time listeners of the show may remember the glory days of the. Early to mid-teens, when there were literally dozens of fan film productions of Star Trek stories, spanning the timelines from post-Enterprise pre-Federation all the way to post-Nemesis pre-JJ verse, the quality bar that each show cleared was as varied as the eras they were set in. I'm going to give you a minute to sit with that one. But some of the highest quality efforts belonged to James Colley's New Voyages and Phase Two productions, and until certain lawsuits were filed, they were busy filming and editing new episodes. Unfortunately, CBS's fan production guidelines, which were released in 2016, basically killed productions like Collie's. However, one of these productions, a TOS prequel named appropriately Origins, subtitled The Protracted Man, just escaped into the wild. And I say escaped, because to say it was released would be a gross overstatement. There are effects shots missing, and we know this because there are little cards telling you what you should be seeing. Sound is sometimes iffy, and the whole thing is squashed horizontally. It's very clearly not a finished product. According to the article at fanfilmfactor.com, these two files containing the rough cut were up on YouTube temporarily and then taken down. However, while it was online, the movies were downloaded and then reposted anonymously. Even short-time listeners of the show will know that Cat is now rolling to a slow boil on the intellectual property problems all this implies, and we'll certainly get to those, but there's a little more to the story. One of the screenwriters, Trek novelist Dave Gallanter, recently died of cancer. Mr. Gallanter had worked on several of the Phase 2 projects, and this one, co-written with triple creator David Gerald, may have been released, uh, uh, liberated, liberated, as a final farewell to a cherished member of the old crew. So as we are about to discuss you know, why listeners, you know, this is illegal. Maybe the proper answer is now don't be a prig. A link to the article, but not directly to the clips will be in our show notes.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> if This is an
0: honor of the novelist Dave Gallanter. I, you know, I think that I think Kali has earned some points with with CBS. I mean, after all, the set is now an official licensed CBS Museum, right? The set tour in Ticonderoga where he he was filming these things is now part of the CBS intellectual property in one way, shape, or form. So... Like, good on them. I've always found it difficult for, to get into fan films, and although there was a time that I was excited for one particular fan film because the production quality seemed pretty high and it was a story that I was invested in, it turns out that when people start to get a little greedy, it ruins it for everyone.
3: It ruins it yes. for everyone.
2: Yes, it does.
0: So here we are now. James Cawley was working on these projects. Vic Magnana down in Georgia was doing his. There were all of these... Very long format fan films that that were high production value had to come to a screeching halt. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what would have been more acceptable, releasing these, you know, as oops, quote unquote, or maybe a table read. Like, what are the, you know, can CBS get them in trouble for a table read that they film or record as a podcast or something? CBS can get in trouble Mm
3: -hmm. for
2: whatever they want. Yeah, I mean again it comes down to money how much commercial value you know do you have writing on it is it worth it for them to fight it could you just send a cease and desist but it is really unfortunate that you know the kibosh got put on a lot of these projects because of that certain you know unnamed you why name him i mean he who, he who shall not be named <laughs> well, he knows I mean, what he did. They didn't even have fan production guidelines before any of that because most people were cool about it. Right. You know, and weren't trying Alec. to, like, you know, really have their own fancy production and over, you know, take over the IP basically. Right. Yeah, so they had to do it. CBS had to do it. They had they had no other choice to protect their IP. They had to lay down guidelines. You know, it's unfortunate because you were getting a lot of really cool stories and and things you wouldn't see from an official production.
3: And I think that's why this thing, strictly speaking, that what they've got is not compliant with their guidelines. 15 minutes only, no continuing stories, that kind of stuff. It's, they have a lot of named characters like Pike and Kirk and Spock and... And Cadet Finney and like all. so I mean it this one it this one runs afoul of just about every guideline they, they put but on the other hand it's not polished no one is gonna mistake this for a CBS sanctioned production in the format that it's in right now and it seems like it was an oopsie or my my pet theory is somebody wanted dad or sons or cousins last work because they thought they'd like to have something to remember the guy by or like a piece of it for some sort of you know memorial service reel or something and he put it up for a couple of days someone scraped it and made off with it I don't, I don't think we're gonna need anyone to hold Kali responsible for it. Nope. Yeah, and unless it can
2: be direct. I mean, if they're even that serious about pursuing this, I doubt which it doesn't seem like. I mean, it's down. It's not it's making still, any money. It's still <laughs> out
3: there, but it's not. Yeah, don't be a prick.
0: Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Finally putting an end to our breathless anticipation... Wait for it... Cryptic released a new blog to announce some details of the upcoming 11th anniversary event. This year's event is scheduled to kick off for PC players on January 26th and will wrap up on February 25th. As with other recent events, players will collect daily progress points through missions task force operations, and patrols. Upon the collection of 40 progress points, players will receive the brand new account unlocked T'mare Class Alliance Raider. Now, no stats are available for the new ship yet, at least as of this recording, but it's a Klingon-Romulan hybrid raider carrying on the spirit of the recent Khitomer Class. And as always, the anniversary event brings us those sweet, sweet Omega tech upgrades. So get ready to get busy collecting Omega traces, Captains.
2: Yeah, that ship looks real cool. I'm kind of excited about that ship. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like the look of that ship, too. It's cool looking.
3: I'm usually not a fan of their anniversary ships. They just seem kind of like, okay, that's fine. But that is a fun looking ship. It It is. It does look good.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely getting that ship.
0: Yeah, I I might actually try to go in and, and get that ship.
2: Should get some upgrades.
0: Now, well, here's the thing, though, now, right, is that. They changed the Omega Particle Traces last year, right? So you can no longer, even if you collect a bunch of the traces, you can no longer trade them.
3: Worst decision ever.
0: Yeah, yeah
2: they. you have to... Ever. Yeah.
0: The whole Omega process now is on your own. You are on your own, kiddos. Yes.
2: This is true. Yeah, what you collect, you keep, you can't uh, sell them unless you have, I guess, the old kind on the exchange.
3: The anniversary event also means that if you're like us, you're probably most excited by the imminent arrival of brand new story content. They do listen to our show. Good for them. In another blog release this week, Ambassador Kale announced two forthcoming new missions with contributions from two new stars. The new missions are called Knowledge's Power and Leap of Faith. And they'll take us back to the Klingon Monastery on the planet Bereth. Visited by Captain Pike on Star Trek Discovery, the monastery is home to the mysterious and powerful Time Crystals. Hale's blog has teased that Boreth's secrets will bring about a new era for Star Trek Online's Kleons, and it will be up to the players to pursue them. That means meeting with Tenovik, the guardian of the Time Crystals. On Discovery, Tenovik was played by Kenneth Mitchell. He was originally going to reprise the role for Star Trek Online, but circumstances prevented him from doing that. Instead, he's personally chosen friend, veteran actor, and Star Trek Online superfan, Sam Witwer, to lend his voice to Tenovik. With Mitchell's coaching and Witwer's talents, it should be exciting to see what surprises Tinovic has in store for us.
2: That's really cool. Sam Whitwer, he's Crashdown in Battlestar he's Galactica, right? Crashdown. Yes! And yes. He, yes. he did a
0: live stream with Ambassador Kale of several months ago. Because he's a regular Stowe player, and so good on him, good for him for, you know, filling in the, the spot. He needs
3: to take on much larger Star Trek roles because he's also big in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So he's, mm-hmm. he's Darth Maul in one of the animated series, and he was the main character in the Force Unleashed video game.
0: So just last week we had a long conversation about mission and storytelling in Star Trek Online. And this is nice, right? We're getting at least two missions, two featured episode missions that will move something along. But, you know, if, if 2018, 19, and 2020 are any indication, it's going to be these two missions, a couple of patrols that we'll have to try to tide us over for, for several months until the next event, which if I were a Batman man, I'd say the next Mission driven content won't be released until August, maybe even October. I would I would put money really? in Really you
2: think that far?
0: Yeah, yes. I don't know. I don't have much faith in whoever is in charge of allocating and distributing budgets and money to yeah. the various games that Cryptic is developing right now. I think that it's Uh, My guess is that it's all hands on Magic, or as many hands as possible on Magic, and everybody else is on Skeleton Crew. Neverwinter champion, definitely champions, uh, and Star Trek Online. So I'm sure we'll see some quality of life things. You know, for instance, Andre teased with us the possibility of breaking down the red versus blue barrier. So now the KDF and the Federation players can can unite to play patrols and whatnot. That's what he hinted at. That would be fun. That would certainly... Help re-energize the community, I think, in Star Trek Online. So, we'll see.
3: And that's one of those things that's like a huge, I'm sure it's a huge back-end undertaking that will make some difference to the players, but I'm sure that the the complexity and and weirdness of the whole thing is going to be lost on us for the most part. If they're lucky, fingers crossed, it'll just, the the switch will flip and we won't notice a thing. Uh, And then we'll complain about no content, but they'll all be like, you know, wiping sweat off their foreheads going, thank God.
2: Yeah, I thought they were doing quarterly releases, like every... You know, order, but maybe it wouldn't be till August. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm
0: sure there's going to be some kind of summer event, but it's going to be, you know, the same thing, right? Um, Q will show up, or maybe not, or uh, obviously it'll be on Risa, but even the mm-hmm. 11th anniversary, right? We're, we're still doing the Omega particle thing, right? So nothing new has been introduced in terms of mechanic and celebrating the game, unless they do something cool like rappelling down a cliff for the anniversary missions. But yeah, if I were a betting man, I'd say the next. Featured episode that we get won't be until the end of the summer. Hmm.
2: All right.
0: Like, that's the thing, right? Is that there's obviously going to be stuff to do. Andre teased it with us at the end of last year and in our last episode of 2020. Mm-hmm. So there will be things to do. It's just going to be typical MMO grindy, do it 400 times kind of things.
2: Well, at least we have options. You don't have to do the same thing 400 times. You could do a combination of things 400 times.
3: Pure speculation here. If they are doing some sort of, you know, code change where the, the the faction wall is coming down. I suspect that might be our second quarter release, you know, the, the, the late spring thing. And there'll probably be a mission of some kind, a grand unification mission that will be a repeatable piece of content. Not story content, but it'll have story implications. It won't be a narrative, right? It'll, but there'll be some sort of story implication for the great unification, whatever. I'm willing to give him a huge pass because I remember years ago we had this interview with Al and he told us how fundamental that red-blue split was to everything, how the game was organized. So mm-hmm. it'll be a huge, it'll be a huge back end problem for them to, to make that all go smoothly.
2: Elsewhere in the gaming world, Star Trek Timelines passed its fifth anniversary with no signs of slowing down. Associate Product Manager WRG Ben took to the Wicked Realms official forum on the 14th, saying they're quote, proud of what we've built throughout the years and what the game means to so many of our players. With that in mind, we're looking forward to the years ahead. End quote. Looking to the future, WRG Ben and also promised a big new feature in the game later this year. Timeline's longevity is nothing to dismiss. Mobile gaming has been fickle and unrewarding to the Trek franchise before. Of the nine games released for mobile platforms, only Timeline's and Fleet Command remain in business. Trexels 2 launched in 2018 and shut its doors to new players only last August.
0: Man, oh man, I wish they'd come out with the Trexels for lower decks. I really do. Oh,
2: man, I loved Trexels.
0: Lower Decks would be perfect for some kind yes. of silly mobile adventure game. don't say
3: that in public. Write up a proposal and send it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Don't give away all your good ideas, man.
2: Man, that's too bad.
3: That's genius. And going even further afield into mobile gaming, if you spent even a nanosecond browsing through your phone's app store, you've probably noticed the popular, fast-paced, endless-running, side-scrolling mobile game, Jetpack Joyride. In it, you play as... Barry Steakfries, a down-on-his-luck-a-gramophone salesman who has snuck into a jetpack lab, stolen the machine gun jetpack, and now needs to escape. Now you're asking yourself at this point, why does any of this matter to a Star Trek podcast? Well, because just like the Borg, the mega-marketing machine at CBS assimilates everything in its path. Resistance is futile, your technological distinction will be added to their own. From now until February 3rd, Jetpack Joyride is running a Star Trek event. By playing the event, you can earn Star Trek-themed items for the game, including, but not limited to, Starship jetpacks, uniform jumpsuits from Discovery, Voyager, Enterprise, and more. Character replacements like Michael Burnham, Janeway, Picard, and Kirk. And much more, even. And what free-to-play mobile game wouldn't be complete without a way to buy everything? You can also purchase the items from the event singly or in bundles from $2.99 to $29.99. For more details on the event, check out the show notes.
0: And if that wasn't enough for your handheld device... Star Trek Fleet Command is also having an event, continuing its prime timeline content rollout with a TOS event which started this month. During the first part of the event, players can earn recruitment tokens for Original Series crew. Get your hands on an Epic Kirk, Epic Spock, and Rare Uhura! Part 1 of the event runs from now until January 29th. A link to the Fleet Command website for the patch notes can be found in our show notes.
2: That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now we welcome Dr. Robert Hurt for this week's astrometrics report. Space.
0: Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's up theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real.
2: Education,
0: astrometrics.
1: The final frontier. In today's astrometrics report, we want to ask the question, just how dark is space and what does its inky blackness tell us about the total number of galaxies that may fill our universe? Decades ago, Hubble's famous deep field image demonstrated to us that even the darkest region of sky would be filled with distant galaxies if you pointed a telescope long enough and let it collect light over days and weeks. But how many galaxies may be hiding out there as yet undiscovered and even the long Exposures we've done with our most sensitive telescopes? To answer that, we really have to understand just how dark the dark skies of space really are. That's a very difficult measurement to make, even with a space-based telescope if you happen to still be in the vicinity of the Earth. It turns out that our solar system is really a pretty dirty place and it's filled with particles of dust that reflect the light of the sun into a kind of haze filling the disk of the system where the planets orbit. You can even see this dust for yourself if you go out after sunset in a region where you're far away from city lights and have very clear skies. Looking towards the horizon, once the twilight has faded, you might see a band of light reaching up into the sky. This is called the zodiacal light, and what it is, is the reflected glow of this inner dust in the solar system. This cosmic haze even affects telescopes we put out into space, like Hubble. While it isn't very bright, it's still enough to confuse our very sensitive measurements of just how dark the darkest regions of sky are. So, if you want to make this kind of measurement, you need to leave the inner solar system and go to a region where there's very little zodiacal dust. And this is exactly where you'll find NASA's New Horizons mission. A space probe sent out to investigate Pluto and other objects in the outer reaches of the solar system, far beyond the orbit of Neptune. Even though it was not designed for astronomical observations, it turns out it's a perfect platform for staring into the inky darkness of space and measuring just how bright it is. By carefully analyzing data collected by New Horizons, which is situated far beyond The inner glow of the zodiacal dust, astronomers have been able to figure out just how much glow there is to the distant dark universe after taking account of all the galaxies we can see in the foreground. The result is kind of amazing. If you look at an image like the Hubble Deep Field and add up all the light from every single galaxy that shows up, large and small, that only accounts for half of the light seen by New Horizons. That may sound like a lot, but it's actually less than a quarter of what astronomers had expected to be out there based on indirect calculations and best guesses on the data sets they had in hand. So where does the other half of the universe's light come from? The half that we can't actually see explicitly in pictures from space telescopes? Is it from large populations of dwarf galaxies that are very faint and diffuse and really can't be seen individually, but add up collectively to form a significant glow? Or perhaps there are extended halos of stars far beyond the edges of where we think galaxies currently trail off that we can only see through their combined light light? These are questions that hopefully we will see answers to in the coming years with the launch of new missions like NASA's upcoming James Webb Space Telescope. But for now, we can appreciate that a tool designed for such a different purpose in studying objects in the outer solar system could be repurposed to address such a fundamental question of the intrinsic brightness of the universe. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming.
2: coming in, sir? Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
0: Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages.
3: Last week, our community question was... Nothing. We didn't ask any. However, our amazing, beautiful, courageous... What? Who wrote this? Oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Our community manager, Anthony, wanted to know what you all thought of Discovery's Season 3 finale.
0: So we asked you in a Twitter poll. Now that Discovery Season 3 has ended, where would you rate the finale among other Star Trek season finales? 22% of you said... Put it on a Melon freighter. Pew! 29% of you agreed with one of the best all-time finales. And 49% of you said an average Trek finale.
3: Thank you to everyone who participated in the poll. Keep your eye on your social media channels for more in the future.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 493 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
2: And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. Captains, it's important
3: to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com one on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast or find us on Twitter and Instagram at priority1pod.
2: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Gray, Thomas, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com.
0: This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains, during these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content that we, as a team, produce each and every week. Find out how you can be a supporter of this show and earn some pretty cool perks by visiting patreon.com forward slash priority one.
3: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps, and less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
0: Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon, Daniel, Rand, william gray roscoe lennon and skiffy thanks to our producer jake and associate producers shane and thomas together they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the star trek multiverse thanks to our brilliant social media manager anthony thanks to our graphic artist henry with support from jason of the priority one armada thanks to the composer of our theme music chris watts but most importantly a big thanks to you the star trek community our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
2: Enemy ship on sensors.
3: Red alert, shields up. Engage. Engage.
0: As always, the anniversary event brings us those sweet, sweet Omega tech upgrades. Bleep, bleep, bleep,
2: bleep, 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 bleep. Are you playing Frogger? no <laughs> oh, Omega game. <laughs> oh my god! That's why you turned the sound off. I'm
0: already, I'm already yes. having, I'm already having some PTSD from, <laughs> from the last. Nine it's years.
2: hypnotizing, though, when you is, start though. doing it. Is, it is, though. Oh I, yo, I just zone
0: out. I just zone out. Anyway.
2: Have to start I think you can say
0: it. You can, uh, and now. I think you can take it from and now.
2: And now. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can. Brandon, no backseat directing. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Hey, easy there, live stream. Sorry. Take it easy. Back off there, live stream. Take about 20% off. Live stream.
0: <laughs> oh, so you want <laughs> me no, to no, stop no, streaming
3: no, now? No. No. I'm just calling you by your new nickname. And Heroes bright. <laughs> And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Take it back
0: back to And Heroes <laughs> Rise. You were like, And Heroes Rise. And Heroes Rise. And
3: Heroes Rise. There were no concepts there. Hey, oh my God. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like a Christopher walking on heroin. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: that was weird. <laughs> so, how far along is season two of Picard? Well, Sir Patrick Stewart tells us in an inter- Tells us after I'm mature. I'm going finish <laughs> going through puberty. <laughs> Finally, putting an end to our breathless anticipation. Cryptic released a new- bl- I just bit my tongue. <laughs> oh
3: no. Your tongue didn't catch up with the rest of your face. It was the no. break, the hard break there. I guess. It, it was in the wrong place at the wrong time.
0: Fire. I wonder if you'll be able to hear the moment that I bit my tongue. Like if you hear, <laughs> <"L-> like, that. <laughs>
2: that's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's not look on wow, screen. Wow, now let's Dang. open healing
0: frequency. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Now, um...
2: <laughs> I'm like, now let's, I don't know what the hell we're doing.
0: <laughs> Through the looking glass, people.
2: <laughs> oh, yay. Dr. Hurt's going to do an astrometrics report. Badass. Yep. Bleep bleep. This is a Rottenberry Podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.